Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I think if I preach on all the things today that are on my heart, you'd regret that you hadn't packed a lunch. (laughs) Okay. Um, There's uh, just what the scripture said about that would apply to our situation today dealing with refugees and a godly perspective on what to do. That's worthy of a sermon. I may come back to that. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's so much that needs to be said about the General Assembly of the Anglican Church that several of us just went on. And there, there's a lot of things you need to know. I think we'll be able to mention a little bit of that. But I'd, all, I'd already planned to talk about uh, uh, have a July 4th theme for this Sunday. And, and I want to be faithful to that. Because so many in our nation today, 88% of our children go to public schools, and a great percentage of those are growing up not knowing what our country was founded upon and the faith that our fathers had that's been handed down to us. I do not want you and I to, to mix up. Larry prayed it this morning as we were praying before the service. We don't need to be confused and think that America is the kingdom of God. But America shall be a nation under God. And we need to be part of the kingdom of God that serves in our country to the glory of the king of the universe. Too many are growing up today not knowing that. Some of you in this room grew up and you were taught in school that we have a secular nation and that secular people were the founders of it. And you were taught wrong, maybe by well-meaning people, but it was wrong. There's testimony to, to know. Does anybody know, a little bit of trivia, how many signers there were of the Declaration of Independence? Any guesses? More than 46. More than 52. 56, give the man a gold star. How many of those 56 had a seminary degree? Not quite, but more than half of them. 29 had a seminary degree. All of them subscribed to the teachings and wisdom of the Holy Scriptures. And many of them were people that, that walked before their God in a way that you and I would do well to emulate. At the Constitutional Convention of 1787, James Madison proposed a plan to div- divide the central government into three branches. Do you all know what those branches are? Executive, legislative, judicial. All right, just I, I'm going to give you a hint here. Just about everything in the Constitution somehow comes out of scriptural principle. Do you know where the principle came out of for those three branches of government? Isaiah thirty-three twenty-two. For the Lord is our judge, judicial. The Lord is our lawgiver, legislative. The Lord is our king, executive. It is he who will save us. 
And James Madison made that point in the Constitutional Convention of 1787. He also went on to say, We have staked the whole future of American civilization, not upon the power of government. Far from it. We've staked the future of all our political institutions upon our capacity to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Without our capacity to uphold the Ten Commandments, we will not have a government that will sustain this country. That's what he believed. When the Constitution had been ratified by Congress in the states and the Bill of Rights had been ratified by Congress, Congress asked the President, George Washington, may have heard of him, to recommend a day of thanksgiving to God to our nation. This is how President Washington opened the Thanksgiving proclamation he made in New York, that was the capital at the time, on the 3rd of October, 1789. By the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. You ready to see how he starts it? Whereas it is the duty of all nations... To do good? No. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. Let's stop there for a second. It's not just a a privilege that you might exercise if you wish in the privacy of your homes. George Washington, somebody that I dare say was very familiar with the precepts upon which our nation was founded said, it is the duty of nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. It's not just a privilege. It's not just an option. It is our duty. Furthermore, it is the duty of nations to obey His will. Do you think He believed in separation of church and state where you can't even mention these things? Do you think He was familiar with what the Constitution said? You think he was familiar with the Bill of Rights? You think he was familiar with the Declaration of Independence? It is the duty of nations to obey God. So says our first president. It is furthermore the duty of nations to be grateful for his benefits. It's not a privilege. It's not something that we can do if we wish in our, in our homes, you know, not offend anybody else. It is our duty as a nation to be grateful to Almighty God for his benefits. And it is our duty as a nation to humbly implore His protection and favor. John Adams was the signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was also the second president of the United States. In 1837, he was in Newburyport, Massachusetts on the 4th of July. And he was the guest speaker. This is what he said on the 4th of July, 1837. He began by observing that Christmas and the 4th of July were America's two most celebrated holidays. And he was asking, why is that? He said, why is it that next to the birthday of the Savior of the world, your most joyous and venerated festival returns on this day, July 4th? 
And look at this question. Is it not that in the chain of human events, the birthday of the nation is in anybody say that for me? Indissolubly. In other words, you can't dissolve this. The birthday of the nation is linked with the birthday of the Savior. He's saying, isn't it obvious that there's a connection between the birth of this nation and the birth of the Savior of the world? What do you mean, John Adams? That it forms a leading event in the progress of the gospel dispensation? In other words, that, that if the gospel is going to go forth, don't things like this have to happen? Is it not that the Declaration of Independence first organized the social compact on the foundation of the Redeemer's mission on the earth? In other words, isn't it true that our declaration rests upon the teachings of the Savior of the world? Did you hear this in school? That it laid the cornerstone of human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. Our form of government was laid upon the precepts of Christianity, so says the signer of the Declaration of Independence and the second president of the United States. The Supreme Oh, 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 I'm not done. There's more. And gave to the world the first irrevocable pledge of the fulfillment of the prophecies announced directly from heaven at the birth of the Savior and predicted by the greatest of the Hebrew prophets 600 years before. In other words, isn't this what was prophesied over our Lord Jesus that nations would come under him? They don't teach that in civics right now. We need to know it. This is the founding of our nation. Our nation is not the kingdom of God. But praise the Lord, the kingdom of God is in our nation. Kingdom of God is greater than our nation. But oh my goodness, our nation can serve in the kingdom of God. The 1883 Illinois Supreme Court said this in a decision. The Supreme Court, think about this, the Supreme Court of the state of Illinois rendered a decision like this. Our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon and embody the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. Who is that? It is impossible that it should be otherwise. In this sense, and to this extent, our civilizations and our institutions are emphatically Christian. Look at what the Declaration of Independence says, the second paragraph. Y'all know this, you may have memorized this. We hold these truths to be self-evident. These, these are so elementary. These are so obvious. Why should we even have to explain this? But there are truths, and they enumerated five of them. He said, all men are created equal. 
All men are created equal. You get the implication, right? Furthermore, they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. They have rights that are given to them by God that shall not be taken away. God is the only one who gives them. People do not give these rights. Governments do not give these rights. Among these rights are life. Does government give life? Government doesn't say, be alive and babies are born. No. Who does that? God. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, to make sure these God-given rights are not taken away, governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. That's why we have a government. Not to give us rights, but to secure the rights that God has given us. That's the the basis of, of why we stepped away from a tyrant to form a new government. Because he was not securing the rights of the people that God had given. There, it's a long list of them. Everything from you know, uh, sending marauders up and down the coast to kill and destroy and steal. You know, to, to not giving them justice. To, I mean, lots of things. You need to go and read it. You ever read it? It's fascinating. This is also a self-evident truth, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it's the right of the people to alter or abolish that government and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles that will protect these rights. So, so the basis of, of our Declaration of Independence was looking and saying, you know what? God has given us rights that aren't being protected, and that's wrong. And so we're instituting a government to protect what God has given. That's why we started a government. How about that? Charles Carroll was the signer of the Declaration of Independence. He said, without morals, a republic cannot subsist any length of time. They, therefore, who are decrying the Christian religion, you know, the ones who are saying, oh, we don't need Christianity, get it out of here. They're a bunch of bigots. Those who are decrying Christianity are undermining the solid foundation of morals, which is the best security for the duration of free governments. Wait, wait, wait. Separation church and state. That's not what it means, folks. Our founding fathers had a faith in God Almighty that caused them. To, to, to pledge their, their lives. This is, this is actually part, I, I know the title says something different. This is from the bottom, this is the very last part of the Declaration of Independence. For the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, that's another way of saying a firm reliance on God's protection, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. We are, we're, we're doing this knowing that if we're wrong, it puts us at odds with heaven. 
But because we believe that this is heaven's mandate, we cannot do otherwise. We're pledging our sacred honor for this. Our founding fathers risked everything that they had to commit treason against the king so that they could more fully follow the Lord. Our government, if you're an American, if you're a U.S. citizen, our government is based on the foundations of the teachings of the Savior of mankind. And the example that they gave is an example that we need. We need people who will stand up and be willing to pledge their lives, their fortunes, and sacred honor to serve the Lord. And more and more we need that. The example that we were given by them is is one that's worthy of our... We should look into it. We We should be aware of it. We should, we should follow it. We should follow their example in the Lord. This week, several of us had the privilege of being at the Provincial Assembly of the Anglican Church of North America. Now, that's the gathering. Everybody is invited, but it's the gathering of lay people, deacons, priests, bishops, and even internationally, those that wanted to come, typically they're bishops and archbishops from around the world. There were over 1,400 that were there. Uh, and we had the example of a number of spiritual fathers from around the world that, that came to this provincial assembly. Um, this is a picture. You see all the red that's there? Okay. There's, I don't know, if it's hard to see. But there's a gentleman kneeling here. He's about to be consecrated a bishop. Uh, His name is Andy Lyons, and he was consecrated as a missionary bishop from the Anglican Church of North America to Scotland, the United Kingdom, and all of Europe. Um, Because the, the, The corporate church, the corporate Anglican church over there is departing from the faith that was handed to the apostles. They're departing from scriptural teaching, etc. And faithful Anglicans who want to follow and serve the Lord need somebody who can give them godly oversight. And so he's becoming that person. This was historic. This is big news around the world. Later on that day, I was, I was looking on a website, and in, in London, they'd already written about it and gotten quotes from the Archbishop of Canterbury about it, who doesn't like it at all. But for the, we, uh, we drove 2,500 miles. Those that, that went, we had seven of us that went from our diocese, and several are here. Can you raise, just raise your hand? Um, Dawn went, Simone went, Elizabeth, where's Elizabeth, went, Cynthia went, I went, and two others from our diocese went in our car. But there were lots from our diocese that that went. Um, Being there and being around these godly, um, these godly examples, these folks who are standing for, for the gospel, 
was inspiring. Many of them come from areas in which they are persecuted to death. There are Christians, Anglicans who are being put to death because they are Christians who will not refute, not turn against Christ. They are being put to death and these men know them. They are pledging their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And there's a privilege to be around them. There are 39 provinces in the world. Do you know what province is? Maybe I should explain that. We have a church, right? Our church and a bunch of other churches around here have a bishop that oversees us. He's, he's really the, the pastor of, you know, about 45 churches across North Florida and going into, some into Georgia and Alabama and all that. Well, there are other bishops that oversee other areas. All of those bishops come together under an archbishop. Okay? This archbishop oversees bishops who oversee priests and deacons who serve congregations in Canada, the United States, and Mexico and the surrounding territories. All right, so that's a province that has an archbishop. There are 39 provinces in the world. That means how many archbishops are there? 39. We had 11 of them here. That's more than a quarter. It's not quite a third of the archbishops in the world were here. The archbishops, not only of Acna, his name is Foley Beach, but of Nigeria, of Jerusalem in the Middle East, of Uganda, Rwanda, the Southern Cone, which is South America, Sydney, Australia, Southeast Asia, Myanmar, the Congo. And there were at least four retired archbishops that came from West Africa, Nigeria, the Southern Cone, and our first archbishop, Bob Duncan from Pittsburgh. But they came together with all the bishops from our province to consecrate and ordain this man. And they did it to, to make the statement that the gospel is something that is worth standing up for and providing for. Um, that's the new bishop. His name is Andy Lyons. He's the missionary bishop to Scotland, the UK, and all of Europe. Archbishop Beach said, after the American Revolution... The new Anglican church here, and this is in the 1770s and 80s. The new Anglican church here, then called the Protestant Episcopal Church, could not get the establishment in England to provide a bishop. It was the Scots who came to the rescue and consecrated Samuel Seabury in 1784 as the first American bishop. It is a privilege to now return the favor to those in Scotland who are crying out for oversight. That's what's going on. The spiritual fathers in the Anglican church are standing strong. There was, this, was, this gathering was not about politics. This gathering was about the gospel. It was about repentance. It was about taking up our cross in the service of our king. And that was, that was something that was not... Uh, Unclear at all during the whole time that we were there. There was a call not to compromise. The faith of our fathers 
stretches back to the foundings of this country, and it continues today in the church around the world. You are part of something that is much bigger than all souls. It's much bigger than the Anglican communion around the world. This is the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is coming on earth as it is in heaven. Um, does anybody who went to the assembly want to share anything about it to this congregation? Why don't you come up here? It's my wife, Dawn. Do you all know her? Say hi. You turn this on. Um, the theme, he, what he said was right. These were the things that were preached. But the theme of the week was mission on our doorstep. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, we walk outside and the mission is there. Our job as Christians is, is to save the lost. Archbishop Ben Kwashi said, you know, the one job we won't have in heaven is to save the lost. We don't have to do that when we get there. We're already there. So that was, that was an impressive thing that stood out to me, was we have, we have a mission, and we have to get our politics out of the way. We have to worry, quit worrying about offending people. We have to save the lost. We have to teach them about Jesus. We have to share the gospel with them. We have to give them the love of Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. And I believe in this building, in you, in all of us standing in this room right now, that God is calling us to something deeper. And he's calling us to a refilling of our Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He's with us. He is over us. I, you know, last week I prayed. And then we go here. And this was a spirit-filled assembly, you guys. It was not just something that we were all subdued and hung back. (laughs) When Archbishop Ben Kwashi is throwing away his notes on his talk on Thursday evening because he says, this isn't what the Lord wants me to give now. I have to give you something else. And we spend over an hour in prayer ministry time. People praying, people repenting, people being filled with what God has for them. Mm-hmm. So, is this why I'm up here to say what I just texted you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is, God has, is, is, is speaking to me. He, he loves you. And, then, and he knows you love him. But he's willing. He wants to pour out his spirit on all of you again. He wants a refreshing. He wants a refreshing of his Holy Spirit in this place. And he's, he's basic. What I was sensing this morning as I got here, I'm starting to shake again, is that if you want a refreshing and a refilling and a whatever God has for you, that he wants me to pray for you. I can pray corporately right now, but I feel 
that there are people that individually want prayer. And I'm here. I'm available. Where do you want me? Over there during communion? or? Mm-hmm. Okay. I will, I'll be over there during communion to pray for this refreshing, this refilling. Because we have mission on our doorstep. There's a sign at the end of our parking lot when you leave this property that you are now entering the mission field. And people, I believe that. Across the street, down the street, at the beach, wherever you are, God wants these people. He loves them. He loves our Muslim brothers and sisters. He loves our homosexual brothers and sisters. He wants us to, 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 to preach the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And then we call to repentance. So, I'll be over there. During communion, to pray for people, come and I will pray for you. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Come up quickly. Elizabeth Bachelor, my daughter. (laughs) We didn't plan this, y'all. Isn't it great to just follow your parents up on everything? <laughs> no, um, there were four youth from our the Gulf Atlantic Diocese that went as youth delegates and got to participate in everything. Me and Simone went as well as Kieran Kirby from Gainesville and Jonathan Wright from Redeemer. But what I got out of it was that you should be proud to be who you are in as an Anglican and as a Christian. And it's so easy to get into the motion of going to church and singing songs and saying, yes, I love Jesus, and then going home and sitting there and being like, wow, I love Jesus, and then not doing anything about it. And having the encouragement from all 1,400 people who were there telling you and showing you that you're not alone as an Anglican and as a Christian and being empowered by the Holy Spirit to say, I want to share who my Jesus is and who my God is to everybody out there because I'm proud of it. And I want other people to know who he is and that he loves us and having it was an entire week of that and i don't know it was just it was amazing yeah thank you thank you all right this it was uh it really was impressive there's an archbishop named ben kwashi he's the uh the I think he's the former Archbishop of Nigeria and lives in Joss, Nigeria. But, but he, he spoke for two minutes. I'm about to show a video. Make sure we have the sound for our computer on, please. Um, and he was surprised and encouraged by what he saw and didn't see at this assembly. Turn out the lights if you can back there. The one...
The one thing I would take back is um, for an assembly of this nature, which in Anglican language is um, a, a, a general synod, to be so packed full of Bible teaching, of prayer meeting, of worship, and with the absence of political debates, but a discussion about mission um, on our doorsteps, and mission from our doorsteps to the world, is the Anglican thing to do. It's what we've always known the Anglican Church to be. In my context in Nigeria, Archbishop uh, Bishop Samuel Ajayi Crowther was consecrated for the Western Equatorial Territories beyond the Queen's Dominions to evangelize. So my, inherit, my inheritance in the church has been evangelism. And it has been evangelism based on scripture. We are preaching the gospel. The issues at stake are the gospel. Uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, saving mankind from sin and deli bringing deliverance from the powers of hell, of darkness, uh, of fear and death. And that is the gospel that is being proclaimed at this assembly, which gives me a lot of joy. As a matter of fact, I, I, uh, my sharings have been at ease because there's freedom to discuss the gospel. And throughout the Bible we know that God does not bless sin. Rather, he, he saves us from our sins. And this message has come out loud and clear in this general synod. Uh, and, and I feel very encouraged and I pray that uh, other, other provinces will, who have been here will take the same thing back. To go and make their general synods prayer meetings, Bible study meetings, uh, talking about the gospel and looking at opportunities for evangelism. Of course the business meetings did take place behind the doors and the decisions were without acrimony. They were straightforward. Shall we do the work of the Lord? That was the question and the answer is yes or we're not so sure and uh, we're looking for clarity. So that, that's without acrimony and I think that that's a great testament for the church in North America. As you pray, we're about to get ready. We're going to pray for our nation, and we're going to, I think, including that, we'll still be praying for the kingdom of God to go forth. So pray for that. We have fathers in our church who are, who are men who are worthy, uh, worthy of our honor and respect, okay? Um, and uh, we, have, we have a great spiritual heritage in our nation. So let's pray for our nation that we won't lose it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.